Walk it out, walk it out, walk it out. Welcome back to Don City, our 30th episode, August 31st, 2020. Walk it out is the theme because we had nothing but walk-offs this weekend. We have a jam-packed show for you guys today. Vince Mercandetti, Rob Martinez, myself, Henry Maldonado. Rob, how you doing today? Vince, what's good, baby? Ooh, nothing, be- nothing much. Back from a little weekend getaway, so here I am. Slightly, slightly tanner than I was. Um, you, you're a little closer to being Puerto Rican, just a little. Yeah, I'm a little. It's like a Neapolitan tan. I'm like half red underneath because I uh, that Florida sun tends to move, and the umbrella stopped protecting me, and then I was done. You know, like you got, 15 you got minutes. The strawberry, like, you got you're at the strawberry phase of the Neapolitan. Yeah, nice I look almost bionic on the, on the right side of my body. So uh, here I am. It is. Uh, it's wasting away though. That's good. How are you doing, Henry? I'm good, baby. I can't complain. Can't complain. We got a lot of things going on in the game. Trade deadline, uh, Negro League week, people walking off left and right this weekend. Great series, some shitty series, uh, exciting play, teams in first place we didn't expect. We have a lot, a lot, a lot to get to. A ton to get to. I don't know if I've ever seen that many walk-offs in a week. I didn't see a stat about it, so I have no idea. But, I don't know if uh, I've yeah, seen that many walk-offs in a series with the Yankees and the Mets. Yeah, we're going to get to all that. There was a lot of fun around the league um, this week and a lot of highlights. This is going to, again, last week was a record setter for highlights on this show. This week's going to shatter that, so look forward no. to that. But let's get Keeping my up. favorite. We didn't get to up. 500 views last week, did we? Not to 500. We broke 400, though. Oh, so you guys need to do your job. I'm going to need you to get together. Let's go. Yep, a second already already getting destroyed in the comments. Um, it was a our second ever show over 400 comments. Now we're going to start shooting for 500. We thank you guys every week for joining us. Um, hopefully we're making it more and more entertaining, which will give you some incentive. But let's start with my favorite, favorite topic. Also happens to be the most boring one we could possibly do on the show, and that is weekly COVID updates. Crash. So not much. You know, we almost made it. We were like 24 hours away, Henry, from making it without even needing to have this segment. It's always the West Coast. Always the West Coast. Yep. Those West Coast guys, A's, Astros. You know, I got a text, probably like seven of them from different friends. They know how much I hate the Astros and love anything Astro related. Uh, And I get the text that says Astros game canceled because of COVID. And I'm like, hopefully the whole team. Like, that would just be great. Like, you know, I've got no problem being like that. Uh, and then I find out it's an A's player. Yeah. The only interesting part of this, though, is that <laughs> allegedly, I don't think there was any proof of this, it was Franklin Barreto, who the A's then traded to the Angels. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if that was like guerrilla warfare on the part of the A's, just moving their COVID guys to a division rival, but I like it. Yeah, I get it. Hopefully it infects the whole damn clubhouse. And you know, Yeah, screw that's savage. Now, is it, yeah, is it when I heard it, I was anything like, else? I was with you. The first thing I said, oh, they didn't delay a re- they didn't relay a relay system to know that that was coming. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the A's this time. Yeah, we gotta wait. We gotta wait a little bit longer for the Astros to come down with COVID on top of everything else this season. It'll but, happen. Um, I I I am positive that the Astros will get COVID at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, just law of numbers probably gonna happen. Um, Maybe wishing. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, a little bit of wishing. The as far as I know, that was the only game, though, is just Sunday. Game. Yes, yeah. one game. 
and now they're back at it somehow. When it took, you know, other teams like seven weeks to come back. They they miss one game, they're good to go. They got the secret antidote. I guess so, yeah. Um, so there you go. That's Those are COVID updates. Baseball is very, very stable at the moment as it pertains to COVID. Not so stable, though, still with playing some games, Henry. We had a little bit of a different thing going on this week uh, as yeah. far as canceling a game. Why don't you take us through that? Yeah, I... Um... I'm anyone who's in baseball life. If you're not, you should subscribe to baseball life. But uh, anyone in baseball life knows that um, Milwaukee Brewers started it and a whole bunch of other teams decided to take the game off and, and, and voice their protests and solidarity with the black lives movement, not to be confused with the black lives matters organization. Cause I think people confuse the two. Um, it's a movement at this point. Um, it also coincides with, you know, the Negro League's 100th anniversary celebration, which in baseball life, we do have Negro League week this week. Please be sure to um, do that. But going back to the Black Lives Matter segment, um, you know, it's about time that these baseball players follow the lead of the NBA players and they're voicing their opinion. They are showing their strength in both popularity, um, solidarity, and, you know, more importantly, what they can do with their voice. People look up to them. Whether we want our athletes to be role models or not, they are. People look up to them. People will always look up to them. People have always looked up to them. So I enjoyed them taking a stand and voicing. And I love the way different players. I love, uh, I forgot who the Mets were playing. The Mets were playing a team. They started the game. They all walked off. They left the Black Lives Matter t-shirt on the field. I thought that was awesome. Um, I love it. I hope we continue. I hope it's not a fad. Um, you know, in order for real change to happen, you have to keep on, keep on, and keep on. So I, I am personally a fan of it. Um, of course, when you have a group of our size, you have some people who are opposed to it. There was a few posts in the group that, you know, those folks who never comment always come out in those posts, you know. But it is what it is. We took care of it. Um, Black Lives Do Matter. All of our groups support it. Uh, I am rocking today the Roots of Flight. Negro League Centennial That's shirt. Fresh. Yeah. So uh, CC Sabathia collection, check it out on their website. They got a lot of cool stuff. But um, yeah, man, I, I'm glad the players finally voiced their opinion. Yeah, and I, I think to speak to, you know, you can you can guess where most of the walks of life uh, come from who get kicked out of this group because they just don't get it. And, you know, I can say, look, I'm an admin of this group. I've been an admin of this group almost from the beginning. Um, I've been a member of the group from the beginning. We all were part of the uh, Free Henry Brigade we won't get into. But, uh, you know, I'm also a straight white male. And, you know, I don't want to go into it too deep. I don't think it's necessary. You know, Henry and I, you, have, you and I have both voiced our opinions on this. But if you don't get it now that this isn't an attack on you, <laughs> like as a white person, it is me as a white person talking to other white people, if you don't get it now, this is not an attack on you. It's not saying your life doesn't matter. I don't know how else to do it because Henry, I was, I moved to Florida like months before uh, the Trayvon Martin situation. Mm -hmm. And Trayvon Martin lived in Sanford, which is about 20 minutes from where I was working at the time. I mean, that, that is greater Orlando, that's central Florida area, right, right. where I live. And that was like my welcome to Florida moment was <laughs> like, I get there and this is a national story. Like everything around my surroundings is all over the television. Um, we have the whole situation. And back then it was a little different for me because I, uh, another thing that people may not know, uh, I actually mentioned this to, to my employer 
Um, my oldest sister is a former sex crimes prosecutor for sexual and violent crimes. Um, I grew up in a very law-oriented family, just in terms of discussing it, it being a topic, it being an, an interest and a passion, and learning law as a little kid. I mean, I remember the OJ trial as a seven-year-old being super into it, like from a legal standpoint, not from like a, hey, that's on TV and it's dramatic standpoint. The reason I bring all that up is maybe eight years ago, uh, when Trayvon's going on, I'm looking at that case and I'm saying, I've, I've got my own opinions on it. Like, I don't know that this is necessarily as big of a deal as it has to be, or as it's being made out to be. I don't know if mm -hmm. I agree with Black Lives Matter. All of that over the last eight years has been something, as again, as a straight white male with a legal understanding um, that's gone through my head. I'm the first one to admit it. But as soon as something like the George Floyd case happened, that's a situation where there's no, there's no more, there's no more excuses, right? Like I could look, you can bring me any of the 30, 40, 50 different cases now that have happened under this movement. Um, and we can dissect them together and I can let you know why legally there might be an outcome one way and, and maybe emotionally it's different, but it doesn't matter. And I think that's the part that I got with the Floyd killing is it does not matter whether the police did right or wrong from a protocol or a legal standpoint. What matters is that a man lost his life yeah. um, and that it way too often happens to be looking like the other men who lose their lives in this situation. Yeah. And if you can't understand that, it's not an attack on police. It's not an attack on white people. It's not an attack on non-black people. And it it's is not an attack on the flag. Cause right. that's the it, other it has nothing to do with America. It has nothing to do with, uh, with socialism or communism or, or defunding police from a definition of we're not going to pay for police officers. All of that's made up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All it is yeah. is saying that a man, no matter what he is accused of, because you, this is the other backlash we get all the time, right? Is George Floyd did this before he got killed and, and so-and-so did this. None of that matters. What matters is that you can be a man who has not been tried by a jury of his peers in front of his children, walking down the street, walking around a neighborhood, maybe even trying to defend himself because he's scared, and you could be murdered. <laughs> like straight up just killed right there. That's the movement to me now, and I think that's what more people need to understand is this isn't like a politically dividing topic. It shouldn't be. It's just quite simply recognizing not all of us have to walk through that every day when we have interactions with law enforcement. What you're voicing, and I'm going to use this phrase, and I know some people hate it, but what you're voicing is white privilege. Yeah. And, you know, it's not saying that some white people don't struggle and white people don't understand. It's saying that you're privileged because you don't have to go through those things. There's just certain things you don't have to worry about because you are white. And I think when that term gets thrown out, it's, it becomes a racial issue when it is a racial issue, but not white versus black. It's, hey, black folks are being stopped, harassed, and killed disproportionately than right. white people. And I think and again, you can look know, at the root. You can look at the root for that, but at the end of the day, the correlation's there. <laughs> it, it, it is not me walking around in neighborhoods getting killed by law enforcement. Right. I've been pulled over, I don't know, six times in my life. I was let off five and I was never asked to get out of a car and I've never had a gun pointed at me. Right. Um, there are people, and this is the other thing I didn't realize, Henry, until the Floyd thing when I really sat down and started talking to my black and, and minority friends, uh, that they've, they've, had that, they've had guns pulled on them and they have been asked to get out of a car you being one of them, which I didn't know until you had shared it, 
um, and they and they followed. They were compliant. Like that's the thing. Unless you actually sit down and talk with an African American or a black person or or, or a Spanish person, wh whoever it is, you don't realize that actually happens to like your buddy who you're working with, and he is from the same socioeconomic background as mm -hmm. you. You don't realize that happens to them because no one's ever had the discussion without making it a political thing and 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 a divide. But if you sit down and actually talk to someone, understand their perspective. Absolutely. This is the world we live in, and that's not right. So I, I you get, think that you get ten guys that look like me, and ten guys that look like you. The guys that look like me are going to have more of those stories than the guys that look like you. And and, yeah. and something as simple as that just you know explains it all. Right. And I think MLB has handled it very tastefully, for the record. Um, again, not to get too preachy, I think that they have handled it tastefully. It hasn't been in your face. They've done little subtle things, and I thought what the Mets did with their game was a, was a powerful message. Um, the games only got canceled for a day, which I see a lot of people complaining about, but I think that that's all that needed to happen right now. Right. Like, you can start talking about canceling seasons eventually if nothing changes but this mm -hmm. should be where we're at in this movement is like players now have sent the message we can control your Bingo. escape <laughs> so get I, on board and understand it or there's going to be bigger problems i also want to address something i know a lot of people take the route oh if i take a day off of work i won't get paid let me make this very clear baseball players are not employees they are partners they are partners with the owners that's that's it they are partners. They are not employees. They don't punch a clock. They don't work nine to five like you and me. So people need to stop comparing themselves to baseball players who right. are partners and not employees. Right. That's, uh, that's exactly right. It, it, they're little CEOs. Think of them that way. Exactly. Uh, you look at supply and demand, you can feel everyone about capitalism, but players don't play by the same set of rules that you and I do working for Absolutely. corporations. I will end this segment on this note. Like I said, this week is Negro League week in the group. I love the negro leagues always have there's a amount of a large amount of history that just doesn't get told these days i encourage everyone to participate in the negro league week show stats show your posts uh someone showed something about a woman playing and i was blown as much as i know about the Negro leagues i knew nothing about it so that was amazing i think it was mike harvey so you know guys please keep posting those things about the negro leagues and uh, i'm loving it it's going to go through the whole week so keep it going what's next vince I like that. Yeah, I just learned about uh, Black Yankees. Couldn't be more excited. One day I will have my I have a Black shirt. Yankees hat that I should have worn today. That's cool. I had no idea. And they're in New Jersey. They were in New Jersey. That, that's just that's me in black form 100 years ago. Um, so let's get to uh, let's change gears here. Get to back to modern day baseball. That is uh, injuries. I don't intend for this to be a Yankee segment. Like, you guys have to understand, I know that it, this show is run by three Yankee fans, but we don't try to dominate the show with Yankee news. It just so happens when it comes to injuries, they have a market on it, yeah. and we have to cover that market, you know, as responsible personalities in fact, here. In fact, behind the scenes, we're always like, you know, hey, we can't be Yankee dominant. We have to, you know, that's something that does get talked about behind the scenes. But yeah, it, I mean, going, they are... I they're will a say this: market team and they're a competitor, so you know we have to fuck, cover them to an extent. Fuck G-Man Choi and the two-run home run he just hit. But keep it going. 
<laughs> so I'm going to take that as tampa on top. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that too. Aaron judge reaggravating his hamstring. He came back for roughly six seconds and is back on the IL this time for much longer by the timeline. Again, in like normal people timeline, he's probably good to come back for the playoffs and Yankee timeline. He may be out till 2022. We don't really know yet. Yeah. Um, DJ LeMahieu was out, dipped back in. So here he comes. He came in hitting singles. That's what he likes doing. Uh, Gio Urshela, same thing, came out, came back in. So he's back. And uh, the only one I've got that's not a Yankee was Tyler Chatwood, also re-aggravated an injury, his back injury. I think now it's his elbow or something. Uh, He's going to be out, and it could be anywhere from a start to forever, from what I understand. Uh, Nate Evaldi was placed on on the IL as well. Wasn't he just traded? Uh, and they were talking about trading him straight up for someone. Rob, did you catch that? I, I don't think he was. Oh, he, didn't traded, okay. he didn't get traded. He didn't get traded. No. Yeah, he st- he stayed put. Um, so those are your injuries. And before we get into a, f- a more fun segment, Rob, why don't we go to that game to the uh, Sports Center here and and tell us what's going on so far tonight? Sure, not a problem. Right now, um, Tampa Bay is up two nothing against the Yankees. And we have the Cardinals up, um, and Cardinals and Reds, they're tied up at one. And uh, the Red Nats and the Phillies are just underway. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, not a whole lot going on in this hour today. Um, earlier today, Marlins beat the Mets. The Orioles finish off the Jays in extra innings, and the Mariners beat the Angels. And uh, as Henry alluded to, and as Rob alluded to, raise up 2 nothing. There, there goes Garrett Cole with those early inning home runs. I don't know. He's like James Paxton, but it's like one or two runs, and then that's it. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Most games. Um, so that's what's going on. Let's get into our highlights. So we, we talked about what's going on right now. Let's get into what happened in this past week. We've got an action-packed segment for you. So, Rob, let's, uh, let's get this going, and we'll get in a little bit of an arm exercise to start off here. Sure, not a problem. Coming up. Here we Alan, go. I was kidding. He's not actually out till 2022. Let's get here. So this is the <laughs> Phillies, <laughs> Phillies Nets 4-1 game. You could play it, Rob. And, uh, that was center field. So there's a Robles. He's not a great route. Uh, he makes the catch, which is athletic enough. And then he throws that from the middle of the warning track. For the double play. I've never, ever seen a center fielder make a throw that deep in my life, and you could see it on the reaction that that just doesn't happen. It's just an unbelievable right. play by Robles. Nice. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, there's the catch. Again, not a great route. Like, I'll throw some criticism, but that throw makes no sense. Like, I, I don't know how that physically happens. When you're that athletic, you can get away with that route running. I guess so. Let's look at another arm, Henry. Why don't you take us through your favorite uh, player here? My favorite player, not so much. Uh, Nolan Arenado, you guys know how I feel about him, but I do laud his defense. I always talk about his defense and my man doing what he does. Rob, where are we, baby? Coming up, coming up. Look, I want you to look at this. Rob, there you go. I want you to look at this. My man was about 10 to 20 feet from the pitcher, which is already 60 feet, 6 inches from the batter. And he catches that like nothing. His reflexes are just absurd. Arenado's probably going to go down as the greatest defensive third baseman ever. I shit on him for his offense, but you cannot deny that man on defense. Yeah, I don't know. He, he made that play look like nothing. Like balls just come to him that fast, like nothing. Well, that is pretty incredible. It just, I mean, a really good defensive specialist away from course. Yeah. 
So let's get to our, our next one here. Here's a lesser known guy. This is John Berti, one of my favorite uh, scrub players. Uh, he Playing for the Marlins, that's, that's where you go when you're a scrub player. He's going to take second there. Now he's going to take third here. And this is all the same, same play. This is against the Mets. Uh, Berti now on third. So he's stolen second. He's stolen third. And then he, this is a uh, – or that's him taking third again. Yeah. And then here we go. I don't know what happened next here as far as, like, what was happening in the game, but there he goes, like, scrambling in and then dropping the ball at home, allowing them to steal home. So, Bertie steals three bases. You see him there on the side. <laughs> he I mean, just takes just advantage of a lob. That's just heads up base running. What's funny is he was called out first, and then he went to the safe. Yeah, I, I catcher dropped the ball there. It, it was kind of reckless, but at the same time, I kind of admire just that adventure around the bases by John Birdie. If you're in fantasy, that was like your stolen bases for the week. He yeah, beat whoever much. you're playing because he got three in one in one turn there. Yeah, I did the impossible. I had negative stolen net bases, so that's impressive. Seriously. Next is my man Michael King, big tall Michael King on the mound doing his best Tumbelina impression, just takes a tumble and spins. He does a hell of a pirouette, gets stuck in the mound, and, and just – he falls like three times in one clip. Yeah, I like that extra <laughs> fall. Like, he's well off the mound, and then he just falls again. Yeah, my man fell three times at, one, at once. It's just, you, you can't that, – that's white people balance. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's like me in a 2007 dorm room. <laughs> kind, of, uh, kind of balance there where, like, the world's, like, sideways. I could not stop laughing when I saw that, man. <laughs> so here's – we're going to stick with the Yankees here. This is a, a little more graceful. Tyro Estrada, one of my favorite uh, low-key players. I've talked about him in baseball life before. That's him flashing some leather. It looks like he ate that ball. And then he makes the throw across the diamond, too, to finish it off. So Mets being victimized this week in a lot of ways. Um, there, So there's your play. And then there, here's the second one. Same series, different game. Mm -hmm. That's him – Full, I mean, full out dive. He's not on the ground when he makes that catch. It actually took a bounce and he went with it. What One thing I hate about the angle of that last catch is if you look at the home plate angle, he's like two or three feet before yeah. the ball. The ball's past him and he's, you know, bringing it back a hell of a play. I like him a lot. Yeah. It, it very uh, – He is not Tyler Wade. Player. He is better than Tyler Wade. Let's put that out there I, right now. Look, I, I would have said that even before he got shot. Um, so there's, there's Estrada. What, what do you have next? My man Bryce Harper hitting a shot in the gap and Ronald Acuna coming out of nowhere. My man was shaded all the way to left center, covers all that ground, makes a hell of a catch and just gets up with the flair and with the coolness that only Ronald Acuna has. We got to put that to like, I believe I can fly music. I mean, he's just My man like came out of nowhere. Give me that some is... time, and I'm gonna add some music to it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Look at Rob it's... taking that producing another level, baby. I love it. it. It's <laughs> like he didn't have to wear cleats for that. Like just in cleats alone, I can't imagine running at that speed and making that catch. Uh, by the way, you're getting a lot of hate for your best defensive uh, third baseman ever so far. They'll be, they'll, they'll be all right. Uh... <laughs> Here, there's one person in baseball life who considers this the best player of all time. Just overall, this is Randall Grigic. Um, let's get to this. A little, a little double dose for you. Here's the Orioles Blue Jays game. This is this looks like a dong. Could have made our dong show, mm -hmm. but instead Grigic. Eh, it's short, and he's going to make a diving catch. This is a, to me what would be the most demoralizing. 
And then there's, there's Grigic walking off immediately after. So not only does he make a diving catch, you know, you probably off the bat feel like that could be a home run. You hit it to the wrong part of the park. Then you're like, this is definitely a double or a triple, and then you're robbed. And then that same guy hits a home run to walk off <laughs> the same game. So that's just good yeah. donkey punching all over the fading Orioles. He saved the game and then won the game. Yep. Yeah, and we'll stick right with that uh, Blue Jays theme. What do you have for us here? Now we got my man, Teoscar Hernandez. Day old time. Nice little walk-off single up the middle. Well, actually toward uh, left base. Where is he now? There you go. There we go. Yeah, day old time. My man's having a hell of a season, man. He's a lot of Jackie Robinson had, walk-offs. Yeah, if you, if you had Teo Hernandez, you know, having a 1,000 OPS, raise your hand, and nobody raises their hand. He is one of, he's like the Max Kepler wing of fantasy players, though. No one ever drafts him, and he ends up being just a, like, very serviceable fantasy outfielder. Um, And now, (laughs) James is trying to trigger me. First, he makes a Jack McDowell reference, which one of my first memories ever was Jack McDowell flashing the middle finger to the Yankee Stadium crowd (laughs) in 95, I think it was. And then he told me Voight struck out on a, uh, on a, on a pitch, like, 45 feet off the plate. So, um, yeah, now, I don't now, like now we go to one of the most fun teams in baseball, the Padres, who just they had a hell of a comeback. They're down by four runs. Bases are loaded. My man Manny Machado singles. Brings in two. What did he bring in two? Yep, brought in two. Then we have uh, – nope, there's a replay of it. Yeah. Right after him, we have my man Eric Hosmer, who I thought was done when he signed with the Padres, and boy, was I wrong. Mm-hmm. Here he is right here. Doing and what he's supposed to do. He gets hit first. Well, yep. wild pitch first. Did it hit him or wild pitch? It was a wild pitch. Oh, wild, wild pitch, pitch. yeah. That's makes it 7-6. Seven, another six, one. Six. It's 7-6. Seven, he ties it up here. Boom. There it is. Tie game. Gets on base. And what happens next? Will Myers. The epitome what of what this whole weekend was. There it is. Let me see it, baby. Boom. Walk off. Yes, Good sir. night. See you later. Shit was smashed. Game over. San Diego Padres, one of the hottest teams in the game. That was Bartolo Colon territory with that dong, where, where that thing landed. Just didn't look uh, as cool as Colon. <laughs> Padres had a lot of them, and, and let's just keep going with the theme here. We'll sw- switch back to the Yankees. They had a busy week. It went from absolute nightmare to salvaged. Um, and now they're back to losing the race. There's an old friend Dylan Betances doing Dylan Betances things, just throwing it 17 feet above the above home plate, and that's going to be a walk off <laughs> wild pitch there. So Betances hands the Yankees a win, probably saves their season that would have been three losses in a row. Yeah. And then let's go to the next one, even crazier, Rob. And uh, this is going to be a walk off. So this game, by the way, for those who didn't watch it, was seven two in the ninth with one mm-hmm. runner on. And here's an excuse me single. That's going to make it 7-4. Yeah, that little single drives and in And then two. they could have gotten him out at third. They don't. Now it's 7-4. Next, next batter, that's a wild pitch. Now it's 7-5. You have tying run at second. And at seven, this is all with two outs, by the way. In the seventh, it's a double header, though. So that was the last out of the game. And then Aaron Hicks ties it with a home run. So now the Yankees have tied it at seven. with one runner on and two outs in the last inning. And then the next inning in the eighth, that's Urshela dipping one in front. Here's your play at the plate. It's another just awful play by the Mets. Tyler Wade scores the winning run. 
and the Yankees win that game 8-7, five-run comeback with two outs in the last inning to win that game. There were, if I'm counting correctly, four walk-offs in the five games of that series, yeah, and the, the fifth one was the, the previous inning, the sixth inning out of seven. The Mets had a big comeback to win. Yeah, I have, to, I have something to say. I have something to say. I think um, if I'm not, if I might not be, if I'm not mistaken, I think Batances is um, in the, on the IL as, as because he was. I, I I'm not sure if it's true, but I can look into it. But I think he mentioned that he didn't feel right or something like that, and they mentioned that he was going to be going to the IL the way he was feeling from after um, that wild pitch that he threw. Adam, the injuries. What do you have for us, Henry? No, another home run given up by Garrett Cole. That's what we got. Kevin um, Kiermaier, he's been yeah. awful his last two starts. Yeah, no, uh, the, the, the Mets, you know, walked off the Yankees the first game of the series. They swept us, and then we walked. It was just a crazy, crazy series. It's a crazy weekend of baseball. Every time we looked, there was a walk-off everywhere. I, I, it's exciting, man. Anyone who says is not excited for this season, they're full of shit. This season has been nothing but exciting. I have a complete... 180 as it pertains to that runner on second and extra innings. I absolutely love watching that. I think it is so I'm, much fun. I'm not a fan of it, but I, I, I can live with it, I guess. Um, I'm surprised that I'm actually more a fan of the seven inning game. I, I love that too. Yeah, I, I think we it. need that for double headers. Now, I'll say it by next year, we're going to have far, far less double headers. Um, so I don't know that's necessary. But it's been fun for this season, for sure. Got a sports writer, I don't remember who it was, brought up about potentially having a triple header. And, you know, before everyone loses their mind, a, a traditional double header is 18 innings. A triple header with seven inning games would only be three innings more. So it's not that crazy. Yeah. I just, got, a, I just got a confirmation from, from Batantis. Um, yes, he's on the IL right now with, with a right lat tightness. Okay. So, yeah, add him to the list. That's uh, – I can't it's say that's unexpected. Seven. You guys know my love for Dellen, but he's, he's been injured and his miles per hour has been down three or four. So, I mean. I was perfectly okay letting him walk when they did. Um, and you can't even now go back to like, oh, well, we need a, you know, Yankees need a reliever. They they shouldn't they shouldn't have let him walk because he hasn't been very good. So, um, yeah, it's just one right move by Cashman. He's made a lot of wrong ones. We're going to get to a lot of them coming up soon. But, um, but that one was the right call. Yeah. So, we can get into baseball here. It, you know, just in general, we saw all those highlights. It was a crazy, crazy week. Tons of walk-offs. A lot of, a lot of teams kind of moving places. Um, when we left you Monday of last week, Monday night, the Yankees were a half game out of first. They are now three and a half games out of first. Um, they almost – well, they, they very well could have been on like a nine-game losing streak right now. Mm -hmm. um, if they didn't salvage some of those Mets games, they have not looked good. I mean, there's, they're 19 and 13 right now. If the season ended, they'd be the five seed. They're three and a half out. That's not a life. You know, that's not a death actually, sentence. We would be the six seed. Six seed. Yeah. Um, but they are losing to the Rays right now. I, it wouldn't surprise me if they got swept again, only because the Yankees have not looked very good and the Rays have looked unstoppable. I mean, the Rays have moved into – the best record in the AL, um, which is where some of us had them. You know, none of this is shocking. It's just shocking how how badly they manhandled the Yankees head to head. So yeah, I mean, the Yankees have played. You're giving them a, a lot more credit. They've played like shit. Yeah, I, they looked awful. I mean, their that, three wins have been by right. that much. Their three wins were the first game of the ten last ten game stretch and the last two. Right. And they uh, looked like shit. And like you said, they could have easily lost both games to the Mets. 
Yeah, and they blew they blew both games against Atlanta. They blew the first two games a doubleheader against the Mets. Uh, like literally four consecutive blown games with the bullpen. That was after being swept by the Rays. So it should have been, or it was seven losses in a row at one point. And then they won the last three against the Mets, two of them in dramatic fashion. Um, and and here we are now. They're back to losing to a good team. So that's uh, it has not been pretty. For the Yankees, they don't look very good. We're going to get to the trade deadline in, in another segment, but that's been the AL East. So complete flip-flop, raise in total control. They look like a legitimate World Series contender, legitimate pitching staff. Everything seems to be going well for them. The Blue Jays have snuck into not only the playoff picture, but they are one and a half behind the Yankees going into today. They lost, so they will not reclaim. Uh, so they won't get second place even if the Yankees do lose today. But then we've got uh, the rest of these standings here. The thing I want to concentrate on, Henry, is the AL East has been nuts. <laughs> For those who have not been paying attention, White Sox have won 8 of 10. They're in first place now. When we left you, the Twins were in first. I think the White Sox were in second and the Indians were in third. Now the White Sox are in first, the Indians are in second, and the Twins are in third. So complete movement in that AL Central. And honestly, all three teams are super exciting to me in their own way. And they're very good. I mean, they're and I'm gonna go back to what I kept saying about the White Sox at the beginning of the season. They were gonna be fun, and they've exceeded that fun. Man, those guys are, are mashing. They're pitching. They're going for it. Um, you know, Cleveland's damn good, and, and Cleveland has some amazing pitching. But they did trade one of the best players in the game today. You know, let's see how that hurts them. I, I know the clubhouse chemistry thing, but you you still gave away one of the better pitches in baseball. Um, you know, White Sox in first, give them credit, man. I didn't expect them to be there. So they're there now. They're eight and two in their last 10. They're just smoking the cover off the ball. So, you know, kudos to them, man. And that division is indeed crazy. I had Minnesota winning, but they're only a game and a half out, and they're in third place. Yeah. So. <laughs> the Tigers, for what it's worth, are five under. They're only four games out. So, I mean, that's how tight it is right now. A little more than halfway through the season now. We're in like the last 40% of the season now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that surprised me about the White Sox, I knew they'd have a good bullpen. They had kind of a sneaky good bullpen last year, and I knew that I liked a couple of their starters. Um, all of that is still true, but their offense, every single member in that lineup is gelling together. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, with Robert, uh, with Eloy, like, there were at wait, least wait, 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 wait. Who, who, was, who was that before Eloy? Robert. Robert. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, some of those younger guys, you just don't expect them all to break through immediately. And they are, I mean, they're mashing and they, it seems like they're feeding off of each other. So that offense is lethal. I still would not, I'd be a seller if I was talking about them in a playoff format. Um, but maybe not that first round. And if they win the division, you know, kudos to them. They've put themselves in a really good position. You know, we, we have this debate all the time about, you know, what a manager's worth these days. And a lot of people think analytics run everything. Um, as you know, I hate Aaron Boone's guts. I hope he gets COVID. I hope he just gets caught saying something racist and nasty just so he can be fired. I can't stand yeah, that. That would be fantastic. But you can't give enough credit to what Rick Renteria has done and keeping these guys together. And it's just proof that when you get a baseball guy managing a young team with a balanced amount of veterans – a good manager makes a difference, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with young guys and with veterans, it's, it's a, it, it really, you've got to be able to match it. Uh, you have to be able to match your manager to the talent around you. You know, like a Joe Madden was great in a certain circumstance. He's not so great in other circumstances. Correct. Joe Girardi is great in some circumstances, not great in other circumstances. 
Okay. Aaron Boone, to my knowledge, is terrible in all awesome. circumstances, but especially terrible when he's given a World Series caliber roster and he's asked to make that, smart decisions. Aaron Boone's best attribute is he can speak. That's it. Yeah. And usually not truthfully. So even that has some flaws. You remembered something I said when we first hired Boone. Before we knew what he was going to be, I said, you don't hand the keys to a Ferrari to a new driver. And right. my man has dinged up this Ferrari. There's dents, taillights busted, shit is smoking. It, it looks like shit right now. And Aaron Boone, handing it to Aaron Boone was not the same as the Red Sox handing it to, say, Alex Cora. Because Alex Cora had management experience, just not exactly. at the MLB level. Aaron Boone exactly. hadn't managed his way out of a paper bag. He's given a roster that was going to win 100 games on cruise control. I could have managed that team to 90-something wins, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. And, you know, maybe Boone no, would outmanage me a little bit with his analytics team. You could set your roster – you know, it, it's like being it's like being given a fantasy roster that it has already won. Like, <laughs> like, like hey, I say, I've said it in the group before. You give Joe Girardi this same team. Joe Girardi probably already has a title. Yeah, and Joe Girardi is doing a lot better than what Boone is doing right now. And the Yankees are in first place right now. Yeah. If Joe Girardi is managing this version of the team, I have no doubt. Like this isn't just this isn't Yankee fans making excuses for underperforming. If you watch Aaron Boone day in and day out, and we try and remind you as much as possible as far as his decisions, we have an entire segment in honor of his decisions. You would understand exactly how much this man hurts the franchise, and he could take Marcus Timms with him. Dude, I, I had the hitting coach. I had Met fans texting me and sending me messages like, oh, shit, you guys are right. This guy sucks. And this is just yeah. from a series of them watching him in a series, making head-scratching moves, putting players in shitty positions, rookies in, in clutch situations to fail. This dude just sucked, man. I had dudes texting me like, yo, he, he's worse than Mickey Calloway. I don't know if he's that bad, but he's bad. He's really bad. I thought it was hilarious. I didn't want to say anything or respond earlier when uh, our, our listeners thought we weren't going to bash Aaron Boone this episode. Oh, that was adorable. Nice try. Uh, it yeah, it's always, always happened. happen. It's going to always be the – you can always, always, always rely on that. Even if it's, yeah. if it's not in the rundown, somebody's going to get something in. Right. And you look – like that, that six-run comeback, that five-run comeback was the perfect example. Yankees bailed him out. <laughs> like half the time he makes a terrible decision Renee's in the comments craziness. Section. Renee's in the comment section. So remember, Renee, it's coming, baby. It's coming. <laughs> it's maybe here, but not going there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the AL Central to me is the most intriguing right now. Indians, White Sox are actually tied at the top. I, I kind of misrepresented the Indians. Uh, twins, a game and a half back. But, I mean, those teams are fun, fun, fun to watch. NL East, no one wants to win it. I mean, the Braves are 19 and 14. They've got a two and a half game lead on the Marlins, who are still 500 halfway through the season. But uh, it's a bad division. No, no one in that division scares me whatsoever. Even after the Braves just the Braves walked the into two wins. Only team with a positive run differential. That's that's crazy. They're the only team in the division with a positive run differential. Like you yeah. said, nobody wants to win. Atlanta doesn't look that good. They don't look like a first place team. They shouldn't be in first place, and yet. Here they are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not much else to report there. Cubs hanging on in the Central, in the NL Central. But this is, again, you get past the Cubs, absolutely none of those teams seem like they want to get on any sort of run here, and they're running out of time. Uh, Cubs are 20 and 14. They've lost 6 out of 10. They still don't have a bullpen. They still don't have a reliable closer. 
they have an inconsistent offense. I mean, it, it has its moments, but it's inconsistent. I think any Cubs fan will tell you that at this point. I, I will. I do think they did shore up um, a big problem of theirs in the trade deadline. So let's see how that goes. Yep, they made um, a move at, at the trade deadline, which is more than uh, more than a couple other teams who need to make moves can say. But at the end of the day, the Cardinals are in second. They're yeah. twelve and thirteen. I don't know what St. Louis is. You watch them. I, I've seen a few games, and they look like two completely different teams in two different days. I, I, and then they have a, a brutal, brutal schedule coming up where they have to play a ridiculous amount of games in a certain amount of days. Yeah. I don't the, know what the identity of the Cardinals is. The Cardinals are usually boring and effectively victorious. This time they're just boring. <laughs> like they're, they're not winning a lot and they're still boring yeah, and they don't have an identity. They never have an identity. There's never like, you're never like, Oh shoot, watch out for their, you know, their power or their speed or their base running or their defense or, their lethal rotation like they just they have nothing like they're not terrible in anything they just aren't great in anything either and here's the crazy part the al nl east and the nl central shows you as bad as those divisions and inconsistent as they are with 16 teams getting in you still have a shot yeah well we go through it real quick in the in the nl if the season ended today you would still have you have obviously the dodgers padres cubs braves would be in after that, you're talking 500. Yeah. <laughs> the Rockies and the Marlins are 500. That'd be your five and your six. The Phillies are a game below 500. That'd be your seven. And then the San Francisco Giants, we're going to get to them with their trade deadline stuff. Two games under 500 would be your eight. Which so, is crazy. <laughs> so everyone is still in it except the Pirates and the Diamondbacks, which is a little bit of te- a little telling as far as wh- how the trade deadline went. But, yeah, I mean, everyone's technically still in it. And Actually, the, I'm sorry. Giants would be ninth. Who would be eight? St. St. Louis would be eight based on winning percentage. They have 480. It would be Dodgers, Cubs, Padres, Braves, Marlins, Rockies, Phillies, then the Cards. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but either way, I mean, you know, all those teams are still in it somehow. So – I, I, you know, I, I say this every week. The Cubs, yes, they're still above 500. Yes, they're in first place. Yes, they may very well win the NL Central, but they're winning it not because they're good. <laughs> That's it. If you put the Cubs in the even the AL East or the especially the NL West or the AL Central or even the AL West, they're not in first and they're maybe 500. You can look, I mean, you know, 13-run differential against really, really mediocre teams. Do you notice we mentioned the Giants and who popped up? Never fails. She has appeared, yes. She has appeared. <laughs> we gave, like, a half-assed compliment there, so I feel like that was our dude. You know, that was our good deed for the week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's just – it's interesting. We don't have a lot of time left as far as – this season goes, but everyone's going to be in it. It's like your fantasy team. If you're doing that right now, um, everyone's going to be in it till the end, just a matter of who, who's going to finish it off, I guess. But uh, AL central, that, that's what I'm highlighting. That's what I'm interested in. Um, we did have some notable things that happened this week in baseball. The, uh, the great Miguel Cabrera, who I wrote in the rundown as Manny Machado, confused myself. Miguel Cabrera, just 2,000th hit, so congratulations to him. No, Lucas no, 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 no. His 2,000th hit as a Tiger. As a Tiger, okay. How many does he have in total? Because he had uh, a lot with the Marlins, right? 
close to 3,000 already? Hey, he's got to be pretty close. Yeah. Uh, so there he is. That's that's McGill. 2,000 as a Tiger. That, that Hey, for a guy who played for s multiple teams, that's really impressive. Um, 2,843 hits, so he should have it next season. Okay, yeah. So Miguel Cabrera going to be your next 3,000 hit guy. Davey Garcia, a little bright spot for the Yankees. Uh, again, this was almost ruined by a terrible decision, but um, – Davey Garcia, six innings and no runs in his MLB debut. Um, I love this kid. Kid was given a, a hell of a task, and he showed up. Yeah, a, a fantastic debut. It was, it was historic in Yankee land. I don't know how impressive it was that he was the first pitcher ever to have six shutout innings in his debut, only because you just would expect in the last 100-something years that that would have happened. Yeah. But um, fantastic debut. You can hear it all you want. I, I guess the Mets don't hit rookies very well or guys they see the first time. That that doesn't matter. If you watch the game, Davey Garcia had three legitimate out pitches, and he was using all of them. Um, it I, wasn't I, so much – I thought they would take so much so much scoring. It was that he had them looking off balance and silly most of the game. I thought they would take calls on him and land a front-end starter a la Clevenger or someone and, and include Davey. Yeah, I thought a lot of things, uh, and, and none of them happened. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, Davey, look, he's, he's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, idolizes Pedro Martinez. I'm never, ever going to compare him that he's going to have Pedro's career, but if you want to talk about mound presence and confidence, he, he added in spades in his debut. I, I yeah, mean, Matt Mound was his. Look, anytime you have a small Dominican pitcher, you're going to always be compared to Pedro. Right. And um, it is his idol. He watches his all-star game, his yeah. 99 all-star appearance before every single start. Pretty so. cool, too. Pedro did tweet out a congratulations to him, so I thought that was pretty cool. Pedro understands what he means to Dominican pitchers. He, he totally right. gets it. And whenever a young Dominican pitcher has his debut and does well, he always tweets at them. So I think that's pretty cool. Right. And not just size anymore he's compared to Marcus Stroman, but, yeah. um, but uh, also now a scout has come out and said he reminds him of young Marcus Stroman. So there you go. So hopefully he gets that ceiling. Uh, anyone who has known me for a while has said, I'm not big on Davey. It's not because of his arsenal. It's just because of his frame. I don't see him as a long-term starter. The odds are very, very unlikely he can sustain it. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got great stuff. He's a great guy by all accounts, and he's a hard worker. So I'm, I'm wishing him the best. And obviously for the franchise, they need him to step up here down the stretch. Big time. So those are your MLB updates for the week. Oh, Lucas Giolito, I, I kind of phased him out there. <laughs> he pitched a no-hitter, the first no-hitter of the season, possibly the only no-hitter for the season. We will find out. Um, but no, 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 no. You are not going to get off that easy. What? You because have to I said eat, there would be no no-hitters this season? You have to eat some crow, brother. You cannot get off that easy. I was but, wrong okay. there, that there was <laughs> – I, I really thought there just wouldn't be one this season, and I mainly thought it because of just sample size. <laughs> like, what are the chances it'd be in the first 60 games? But uh, as I've mentioned before, I did not count that he would be facing. Who was it? The Tigers? Just, yes. Uh, Pirates. It is the Pirates. Was it the Pirates? So it's always the Pirates. Does, yeah. it, count, does it count as the Pirates? <laughs> That's what I said. I, it's, I, I said there wouldn't be a no-hitter in the major leagues, not that there would be a no-hitter against the Pirates. There's a difference. So, I'm, you know, I'm 10% right, 90% wrong in my mind. But uh, also terrible, – Terrible, by the – did they even get their 10th win yet? I know they were – like They stuck. just – yeah, they've got exactly 10 wins. So, oh, I mean, even – yeah, 
that whoever made that prediction, they are the most wrong out of everyone possible. Yeah. Who said that? Well, the pirates start off hot, so look out for them. We heard no, a lot of that shit. Absolutely not. Yankees that's almost as bad fan. as Leon's uh, prediction that the Angels are going to be really good and make yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. I know. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, it, the best part was Leon privately was so proud to say that the Yankees oh, won't yeah. make the playoffs because he predicted that. But that job's you know not finished yet. <laughs> At the end of the season, we have, to, we have to put together a clip of all our predictions gone bad. Yeah. And just have, like, you know, a nice segment just laughing at one another. That's right. I, I forgot to make Rob take PTO and start writing those things down and have them saved for us. So, Rob, do that going forward. Anytime we make a, an actual prediction, just write it down somewhere mm-hmm. so we know. Um, there was uh, some other drama here this week, and that was the trade deadline. I have jotted down several of them, not all of them, because I missed like this last hour that like three more of them happened. Pretty busy trade deadline. I didn't expect it to be that busy just because no one knows what they are. Like, there's obviously some distinct buyers, but yeah. there really wasn't many distinct sellers outside of, like, the Red Sox. Uh, but we ended up getting a lot of deals. Yeah, I, I didn't think we were going to have this many trades. I thought because of the type of season we were going to have that we would see a lot less trades. And, boy, was I wrong. It's the exact opposite. Teams who have no business going for it, like the Marlins, like the Blue Jays are saying, fuck it. Let's go for yeah. it. And they're acquiring guys that are contracts are expiring at the end of the year, which doesn't make any sense for a team like the Marlins. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. It all comes down to money where if they can finish good enough to tell their fan base, look, we're doing something. They know that those dollars are coming next year. And this is what this is about. Those, those pushes aren't about winning baseball this year. It's about finishing strong enough to sell your fan base on having a winning culture and making money next year. That's what it's really about. Yeah, which I'm so against. I mean, that's just a terrible, terrible way to run a franchise. If you're playing to be like the six or seven seed in a expanded one-year shortened playoff, that's really pathetic. It's pathetic. The the Blue Jays right now would be the eight seed. Yeah, I would. The Blue Jays... The Blue Jays are... Look, I'll give anyone a chance to win a first round especially because you could theoretically be picked as an opponent, whatever. Um, Except for whoever the Dodgers are playing in the first round, every single team who makes the playoffs has a chance to advance in my mind. I don't think if the season were to end today, Tampa Bay would play Toronto and I think Toronto would get smoked. I I mean, I couldn't, I wouldn't pick them, but if you, I mean, Tampa took the Astros to five last year. That kind of shocked me. And if it wasn't for the Astros probably cheating in that first thing against Glasgow, Tampa might have won that series. So uh, who knows, you know? Uh, but Dodgers don't have a chance of losing in that mini short round, especially when they pick their opponent. It's going to be some dog shit team under 500. But everyone else uh, who makes the playoffs, yes, you could theoretically win the first round. But teams like – I'll go through them right now. The Blue Jays, assuming they make it, the – Tigers, if they happen to make it, uh, I don't think they were buyers, to be fair, so good for them. Um, that's it for the AL. I, I mean, that you know, they're pretty sewn up. But, the like, the Phillies, the Marlins, the Mets, I don't think they did any buying so good for them this time. Uh, the Nationals went out and, and made a deal. The, yeah, I didn't get that one either. The Reds <laughs> made a few deals. The Reds, I, I get. That division yeah. is still close enough. I get it. 
They, yeah, I still like the Reds for a playoff. Like, I like the way they're built. Um, the Rockies acquired Kevin Pillar from the Red Sox and gave them international pool money and cash and a player to be named later. Like, why? No sense. Kevin Pillar is not signed long term. He's a career 300 on base percentage. They already have a full outfield. Like, what was the point of that? The Rockies aren't going anywhere. They're 500. They might make the playoffs. They probably will because the NL has a really bad like second and third tier, but they're not going to win anything. It's horrible. I like what the Cubs did, though. They went ahead and got Jose Martinez. The Cubs can't hit left-handed yes. pitcher for shit. And Jose Martinez absolutely destroys left-handed pitching, and that's what they went ahead and got, which, by the way, is a trade Tampa Bay did take an L on. When they traded yep. for Jose Martinez, a lot of people scratched their heads. That hasn't worked out, and kudos to them. They realize, yo, this isn't working. Let's yeah. get rid of them. Let's get assets, whether it's money or the trade was money or two players to be named later. Yeah. So finally, the Rays took an L on the trade, but the Cubs also acquired Cameron Maven, which I like for that lineup. Um, you know, I they, they like Cameron Maven. That was yeah. a great deal by the Cubs. The, the Dodgers made a hell of a move. They traded Ross Stripling, which is just like a, an extra piece for them to the Blue yeah, Jays. He's like their ninth starter. And, and they got back an asset for a guy that has no business being on that team. So. Yeah, I, uh, athletics acquire Mike Miner for two players to be named later, which I don't know if I've heard of that very often, that you get two different players to be named later in but, one deal. Remember at the when we were doing our prediction show, I told you there was a team that was either going to be really good or stuck and has a lot of veteran players to trade off, Texas? Yeah, that's exactly that's Texas. what they did. Yeah, They traded all their veteran guys. Well, they couldn't the pull best... a trigger on Lance Lynn or Joey Gallo, which they were which apparently is... trying to move. Shocking. Lance Lynn not getting moved was shocking to me, but they did move Robinson Torino to the Mets. They, they moved a few pieces. Yeah, they did. Now, that Mike Miner thing, look, he has diminished velocity. He hasn't been very good. I get it. But this is – we're gonna, to me, the Yankees and Braves are the two biggest losers at this trade deadline. Last year, I was okay with the Yankees not doing anything, A, because they did have a lot of guys coming back from injury, mm-hmm. and B, because – uh, just the asking prices were outrageous. You had teams like the Mets putting on a clown show last deadline, acquiring Marcus Stroman for God knows what reason, which, by the way, those those assets would have been really useful to them now uh, as they tried to make some, some moves. But um, this year, the Yankees, had, like, we know they had to make a move. The Yankees aren't particularly fantastic looking right now in any – of the facets of the game. They don't look great on defense. They don't look great in bullpen. They don't look great in the rotation and they don't look great with offense. They made no moves, zero, absolutely none. And to make matters worse, Clark Schmidt, who's their top pitching prospect, even more highly touted than Davey, uh, is not stretched out. He just started stretching out like earlier this week. Which I swear for at least a month, you and I have been saying, why is he not stretched out? Right. Why is Michael King getting the call instead of him? Why is Davey getting the call instead of him? Yes. James Paxton, as soon as James Paxton went down, which we all knew was going to happen, that was the time to have Clark Schmidt start his career. Uh, Not only did they not do that, and not only do they fill it with mostly crap, and not only now are they letting Hap take more and more starts and get closer and closer to his option vesting, which would cost them $16 million next year, but they also have just been letting Clark Schmidt rot away. And we all were led to believe that Schmidt was further advanced than Garcia. And then it's Garcia who gets the call and looks great. And then everyone's like, oh, great. Schmidt must be even better than that. But no, he, he's, he had thrown like 14 yeah. pitches in his last appearance. It makes no sense. I mean, 
so there's, the Yankees there's only one player. There's only one player that's thrown over 90 pitches in the entire month. You know who it is? Cole. Jay Happ. <laughs> yeah, Jay Happ was is seven and a third innings last start. That was a he's the most. He's the best pitcher in August for us, and he's the only pitcher thrown over ninety pitches. Yeah, and I don't want to hear Schmidt's not on the forty man. Louis Avalon should have been cut before he was even acquired. So don't give me anything about the forty man. They could easily make a move right oh, now. Listen. They can move one of their guys to the sixty day DL, IL, whatever. Any of those moves would be fine to get Schmidt on the forty. Chris Ionetta was clogging up a spot. Like, come on. Yeah, like, uh, there, there, you can't tell me that all 40 of those players right now are more important to the Yankees than Clark Schmidt. It, you just can't. It's not possible. And I look at these deals, Henry. We've got Cubs in the or uh, Cubs in the Jose Martinez deal. We've got Braves acquiring Tommy Malone. We've got the uh, Padres acquiring Mike Clevenger. The Athletics acquiring Mike Minor. And the and Pilar uh, to the Rockies. All of those deals were for players to be named later, <laughs> and uh, or they were involved in the deal. You like I don't understand how the Yankees don't make a single move, even for like pool money or a player to be named later. Like five different deals went down. The Cubs got Jose Martinez, an impact hitter for them, for two players to be named later. The Yankees do nothing. It makes no sense. Kevin Gaussman couldn't have been acquired. You know who did better than the Yankees, too? Who? The Marlins. Yeah, they did. Derek Jeter showing, showing why he gives gift baskets, because he just fucked everybody. They put some skin in the game. They they got Starling Marte to go in that outfield, who's also controllable next year, for the record. Yeah. So it's it's not just this year. They can pick up this option. It's $12 million to keep them. You, you take them. They got Humberto Mejia. They're in it, man, and they have a ton of talent coming. I, I like the Marlins a lot. I like what they did. I, I know you scratch your head, but I kind of like what they did. They're going for it, and they're showing their fans, yo, we're, we're bouncing back fast. And if they, if they compete next year, that's a hell of a rebuild really fast. If they pay Schmidt's option next year, I like it from the Marlins standpoint. I think people got excited over, what was it, the Diamondbacks they traded with, right? Over. That's where they got – or no, Pirates they got Marte from. Or Diamondbacks? No, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, yeah. So uh, people got excited about Caleb Smith. Caleb Smith's a four six four career um, ERA. The dude's um, completely mediocre garbage. You could put Widener in that rotation right now; he'd do just as well. And he, yeah, and, he and Smith's Smith twenty nine years old, so he's not he's not going to get better anytime soon unless he's Lance Lynn. Which is crazy. When I see what they gave up to get him, I'm sitting there thinking like, hello. Like, teams who are actually in contention could have given up more and, and done a better deal. Yeah. And so, a great deal. Great deal in that regard for the Marlins. Uh, I get why the Diamondbacks got rid of Marte, but they didn't really get anything that's going to move the needle for me this year or next year. Uh, no, big, I, think, I think the biggest, the biggest dick on the table move – well, the Padres. The Padres won this trade. Oh, the Padres won this deadline. Let, oh, I'll go through them. Padres acquire Mitch Moreland for yep. uh, two prospects. Both, both, by the way, are not top 15 prospects. They were 16 and 20, which is actually what I expected for Mitch Moreland with that farm mm -hmm. system. So, so they give up two top 20 prospects, not in the top 15. Then they go and they acquire Austin Nola, super utility man. He can catch as well. Um, they get Austin Adams and Dan Altavilla in that deal. They give up Taylor Trammell, who they just acquired last year, who apparently his star must be fading because he's been in two blockbusters now. Uh, oh, Ty awesome. France, who I like. Luis Torrens, who's a former Yankee. 
and Andres Munoz. So, I mean, that's a hole. There's two more. There's two players that they acquired that you did not mention. Mm-hmm. In that deal? Overall. Oh, I'm getting there, yeah. So that okay. was another deal that Trevor Rosenthal they acquire yep. uh, for Jack now. Shit. And Mike Clevenger, that's the deal of the deadline. They get him and Greg Allen, who's not like a nothing guy, uh, and a player to be named later who is a nothing still, guy. Still missing a very key impact player they acquired. They acquired Jason Castro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't so it wasn't just down. Austin Nola. They, they, Austin Nola gives them a nice backup catcher, but they got Jason Castro, who's a hell of a catcher on defense and can hit. Yep, they added they added two players there. They added Clevender. They added Moreland, who are both gonna you yep. know plug right in. Josh Naylor uh, goes to the Indians, and Cal Quantrill goes to the Indians, and Austin Hedges goes to the Indians, and then two prospects on top of that, uh, three prospects on top of that. Uh, I I think that deal was egregiously bad for the Indians. Yeah, I. Agree. I and this is why. It's not that they didn't get talent in return. Um, two of those guys, I believe, are top 10 Padres prospects, which the Padres farm top, system One is of the great. top five. Okay. They didn't acquire any of the top three of the Padres <laughs> prospects for Mike Clevenger. I don't care if you have 10 prospects coming back to you because you, you might lose some to the 40-man. Yeah. Uh, that that's a loss for the Indians. You didn't get Mackenzie Gore. You didn't get Luis Patino, and you didn't get um, – who's the shortstop? C.J. Abrams, mm-hmm. their top three prospects. And they could have used a shortstop because I have no doubt in my mind Francisco Lindor is not going to be their opening day. No. Um, but in, mm-hmm. And they did get two shortstops in this deal, but neither of them are Abrams. So I, I just it's, – it's trading an A for a lot of Bs and B-minuses. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and that's bad. One team I didn't understand what the hell they were doing with the Mets. They made trades. They brought Robin Robinson Chirinos, who's been hurt most of the year. They brought back Todd Frazier. If you wanted Todd Frazier, just keep him. And Miguel Castro. And they did nothing to address their biggest need, which is starting rotation. I thought for sure Lance Lynn was going to end up on the Mets because that, that's the perfect place for him. I thought yes. Lance Lynn would end up there, and Lance Lynn ended up nowhere. Yeah, uh, if only the Mets, like I said, had a couple of pitching prospects highly touted that they could have mm-hmm. moved at this deadline and gone for it. In a year, by the way, way more realistic for them to make the playoffs because it's an expanded playoff. Yeah. They didn't have the assets. They don't want to part with the assets, and I can't imagine why. Padres had um, an absolute home run in this deadline, and a lot of teams shit the bed. Yeah. The Padres actually took a step forward, yeah. whereas I don't know that anyone else – did like Jose Martinez nice grab for the Cubs I don't know he's not gonna move you up a playoff series I, I I'm high on what the Cubs did I'm not gonna lie um yeah I I like it like I said they they that move alone ran circles around the Braves acquiring Tommy Malone who got destroyed in his first appearance last night and the Yankees doing literally absolutely nothing it's funny because so. I look I look at the Padres deal and I don't think they're gonna catch the Dodgers the Dodgers are just no, they're not. I mean, that would be insulting but, to the Dodgers. But they're setting themselves up nicely for a nice NLCS matchup with the Dodgers. And you tell me that's who we're going to see right now? I'm excited as hell. Oh, yeah. I'll stay up for whatever time those games are. By the way, the Yankees through three innings have no hits. That's like classic Rays. <laughs> they won't have a hit till the fifth. Uh, they just waste half their games. 
Um, just real quick here. Cardinals up 3-1 on the Reds and threatening with two outs. Phillies up 2-0 on the Nationals. Braves and Red Sox tied at one. So, yeah, uh, I agree with you, though. Padres, absolute winners. They have moved from nice story to legitimate NL contender because the Braves and Cubs don't look very good. So mm-hmm. outside of the Dodgers, there's really no one else that can kind of go into the ring with them. And now you have the Padres, who I think at least could make things interesting. I don't think they'll beat the Dodgers. I don't think anyone will beat the Dodgers, but they could make things interesting. And that's the only team in the NL I'll say that for. I don't think any other team would go to a deciding game against the Dodgers right now. I agree, except the Padres, like you said. The Padres, I don't think we can match with them. And on the AL, I don't think this deadline really affected much. Texas kind of losers for not moving Lynn, but he is still controllable beyond this year. So it's not like an awful thing. Uh, They moved Mike Miner for peanuts, but Mike Miner kind of forced that hand by being terrible. And other than that, I mean, you know, like the A's didn't get dramatically better. The Yankees didn't get better at all. The Jays acquired Robbie Ray, which is worth mentioning. Yep. But I'm not a big Robbie Ray guy, and this is what the Jays do. They, like, love having four starters on their team, like number four starters. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't think Robbie Ray against AL teams, especially AL East lineups, is going to really do much of anything. So – Jays fans are excited, and it's fine to get a deal done. But I don't. I'm not a big believer. I'm glad. In that. I'm glad they got Robbie Ray because Brian Cashman, for some reason, has had a hard on for this dude for yeah, that's... seasons. <laughs> so I'm glad somebody else got him. That was the most excited I was about that deal. Was that the Yankees didn't do that deal because <laughs> that very well could have been on the. And that's another reason I'm glad Lance Lynn didn't get moved because if the if Texas wanted to move Lance Lynn to a normal team they would have asked for like their number 10 prospect or something yeah. if it was the Yankees it would have been like Garcia Schmidt and Dominguez I mean look and, when, when you heard the rumors of what they were asking for Clevenger it was li- it, it was clearly targeted at the Yankees oh we're right. gonna need a stud outfielder a stud pitcher a <laughs> it stud was like infielder Schmidt and Garcia they were literally they ticking off the Yankees like oh we're gonna need your top four guys I'm like come on and then they get what they ended up settling on. Like, come on, it's a joke. Yeah, and, and that's part of the re- like that's part of the problem. And also, not for anything, but the Yankees did sign Matt Blake. We were all very excited for that deal. They should be in a position as an organization where they can get a Kevin Galsman or someone like that or a Mike Fultonavich, and Blake should be able to work with him and make him serviceable. Whether bullpen or rotation, it didn't matter. We need both, and they did nothing. They couldn't even do that. So. Yep. Mostly I blame Brian Cashman, but I also will never get a Clevenger at the trade deadline ever no. because there is definitely a tax on yeah, trading pay, with the Yankees. You pay, it's a Yankee premium you pay. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's not even paranoia. That's just the reality. No one wants to lose a trade to the Yankees. Um, and everyone sort of feels like the Yankees should pay through the nose because they have a high payroll. That's how I see it. Um, so th- that was our trade deadline. You know, the mostly – Mostly smaller moves, but the Clevenger one and really everything the Padres did to me were the biggest moves. So I'm excited to see Padres and White Sox. We highlighted um, in the last recent shows. Now I'm even more excited for both of those teams. Yep. Just White Sox have been red hot. Padres have been hot and just completely made over their, their major league roster. So good for them. Um, if we're summing it up in a few words, Padres, big winners. Big, big, big. I'm going to say the Cubs are winners. Cubs, we can we can throw in the winner category. Rockies getting Michael Given, Mikkel Givens, and Kevin Pillar to me is just stupid. I'll put the Mets in the same category. Why are you? 
I'll put the Giants also in the same category. All of you guys should have been sellers. This was a great time to take advantage of the market. They weren't. Um, Yankees and Braves, huge losers to me for other reasons because they didn't make a deal and they really had to. So, so there's our trade deadline. Uh, let's oh, get I, just, on. I just saw that the uh, the Angels did move Brian Goodwin. I wasn't sure they were going to move him. They did move they him. They did. I can't remember where. Went to the Reds because the Reds clearly need another outfielder. Yeah, Reds got him and the Reds also signed someone else. I can't remember. Bradley. But, um, Bradley? Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, just totally weird. That was the same second Cameron Maven, by the way, also got yeah. signed. And it was like – both of those times, I was like, oh, Yankees should get Goodwin or Maven, and then they were both gone like five seconds later. Um, speaking we were of talking about the Yankees decisions. Should, remember we were talking about earlier in the season, the Yankees should have found a way to keep Maven on the roster? Yes. I don't regret that decision at all. I loved Maven last year. I wanted him all – him and Scooter Jeanette, I wanted all offseason. They did nothing. They could use both of those guys now. Um, yep. We did well, forget to mention the Taiwan Walker being traded to the Blue Jays because that was that one of they, the first trades. Like I said, four starters. Yeah. They yeah. love their fourth starters. Yeah. Walker, another one. I don't know what the hell. I mean, it's not t- – I mean, they didn't really give up a lot, I don't think. I, none no. of those prospects are big, so I, whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's get into some other idiotic decisions. We've actually mentioned or at least alluded to both of them already, Henry. So why don't you take us through Booneheaded for the week? Oh, man, Boone had a play of the week. The first one we're going to go with is Brody Van Wagen. <laughs> My man Brody, man, I don't know how this got released. He leaked a, a, a phone conversation. It, I don't know if it was the Will – there was some reports that it was the Will Ponds and not um, Manfred. I don't know. But it was somebody on the other end of the line trying to orchestrate horribly a protest and, and kind of ham it up for the cameras and – for whatever reason, Brody thought it was a good idea to just put them on blast, and he took a beating for it. And I'm shocked he hadn't been fired, honestly. Yeah. What do you think I about that? I, Brody, uh, Mets fans might disagree. They tend to have, I mean, they have a lot of allegiance to their guys until they're fired. Um, but Brody has not worked out. Yeah. Bro- yeah that's Brody, how I see it. It's bad. And the other one is is – Boston Red Sox outfielder the Kevin Pillar. Bruh, you see what's going on. You are a white male. There's just sometimes you just, if you don't agree with it, sometimes you just got to be quiet. And he was taking the task because of some comments he made about the team supporting Jackie Bradley Jr. The exact quotes are, is it more important that we uplift Jackie because he's the only one, as in black player? <laughs> My answer would be no. I think it's more important we uplift everyone in this room, a.k.a. All Lives Matter. Just fucking buffoonery. Just absolute buffoonery. You left out, though, the the biggest part of this story for me is that this isn't the first time Kevin Pillar has just said something absolutely idiotic, which blows my mind. I mean, it's Kevin Pillar. He's an idiot. Great defender. He's just dumb everywhere else. Yeah. And He's, then, of course, uh, like, he got his PR. He got his PR people, you know, together, and, and they issued a video apology, which at the end he signs off. Black lives do matter to me. Always have, always will. Fuck out of here. I have it on firsthand knowledge, and I won't give away my sources, but suffice it to say, they're very, very close to me. Uh, Kevin Pillar is a grade A asshole, and always has been, even I mean, before he's in majors. Is that really surprising? 
No, it's not. If you just look at any of his public comments, you can tell. I was going to say, you you follow him on social media and you listen to his interviews and you can just tell he's a very uneducated asshole. Yeah, Uh, very entitled, very tough to deal with. He's just all around just not a a pleasurable human being. And I was excited he was on the Red Sox, but it was very short-lived. You can say piece of shit. It's okay to say piece of shit. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's our boon-headed guys of the week. I mean, just, yeah. You know, I, I was hoping Brody kind of stood by his stuff, but he didn't. He backed down the next day. Um, like you said, I, Brody hasn't been a fit in New York. We kind of knew that was going to happen. You don't go from being an agent to running a baseball team like, you know, like nothing. Um, hasn't yeah. happened before, and there's a reason it's never happened before. So. It reminded me of when the Browns hired the, uh, the baseball front office guy to run their front office. Yeah. Like because he, I, was it Paul Dipata? Yeah, I, I think it might have been him. Um, yeah, I, it's like that was so outside the box that it was just dumb. Like it, it wasn't innovative. It was just dumb. And that's yeah, what very, Brody very, hired. Very, very stupid. Yeah, I mean, Brody's had a little bit of moments, but his two biggest deals have been really bad for the Mets. And now he's got this boonheaded on his ledger. So you never want to have a boonheaded on your ledger. It's probably the worst thing on his ledger. I agree. Yeah, you don't you don't want to be in this category. And now we're starting to amp it up. We've got like two a week now. I'm sure we'll have three a week one yeah. of these days. Um, yeah, you don't want that. So let's uh, let's get into our, our next segment here. And then after this, we want to introduce – hopefully you guys stick with us. We want to introduce um, one segment we're going to be adding into baseball life. But for now, Rob, let's get to our favorite segment. That is Dongs of the Week. And I'll start it off here. We have talked about how great the Padres have been. Well, here's another example of it. You enroll it, Rob. This is Fernando Tatis Jr., and that is him hitting a home run very, very far as it goes on top of the warehouse in left field. I mean, that is a really, really hard hit ball. It amazes Uh, me. It amazes me how much torque that dude produces from his little body. Yeah, he's got a lot of it. It's 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 a he reminds me of Mookie, he reminds me of, of Mookie Betts. He just generates so much torque and so much power from a small frame. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable wrists and uh, bat speed. Yeah. Why don't you take us to the next one here? Next, we have my man Josh Bell, absolutely destroying a pitch, and it ends up hitting the Toyota. That's parked about right field and just smashes it to pieces. I love that it hit that. I love props like that. They need to put like a sign, you know, like doing a home run derby. Uh-huh. You, you win something, give, give a fan something if it hits the car. My man hit the Toyota. Little MVP 2004 PlayStation 2 action. We need Absolutely. tractors out there and moving targets and shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. down for that. Um, that was right center too. Like I think people don't really recognize that right off the bat. That wasn't Josh a Bell. gimme. Josh Bell is a powerful dude. Yeah, let's go to the next one here. This is gonna. This is the theme of the week. Just to show you, because we've been bashing on the Mets. We showed all the walk-offs. Well, here's a walk-off for the Mets. Um, this is Ahmed Rosario <laughs> homering into a Yankee, empty Yankee stadium off of Aldis Chapman. Uh, I think the funniest part about this is that Chapman did not know that ended the game because he yeah. is that dumb. If you had uh, asked me months ago, I predicted or Aldis Chapman would get covid just based on his personality, and I was right. Uh, that is Aroldis Chapman in a nutshell. He had no idea that the game was on the line as he gave up that walk-off. 
Yeah, you know what? And what killed me is that he threw like two sliders that were flat right before that. Yeah. And he went back and threw him another one and it just got crushed. Props you know he's going to have a bad night almost immediately. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Amerizar has been struggling, but he absolutely, absolutely smoked it. And looking at uh, Chapman's face just gave me shades of the ALCS, man. Just Yeah, like a very similar situation. Fucking grin on his face. Um, except Rosario didn't cheat, so good for him. Yeah. Next, we have my man, Yasmani Grandal. Like I said, we had a weekend of walk-offs, and here's another one. Absolutely tattoos that ball. Looks like a pop-up, and it just keeps going and going and going. If I'm not mistaken, that ball was something like 453 feet or something ridiculous like that. Just absolutely tattooed that game. And like I said, uh, another walk-off, which is was the theme of the week in MLB. That was weird because I thought it was going to go super far. Then it looked like a pop-up, and then it did go super far. Yeah, it, it looked like a pop-up to me. I saw it. I thought, that's, you know, okay, okay, okay. Damn, and that shit just kept going and going and going. Oh, like a weird jet stream. Let's keep it with the White Sox, Rob. Give me another walk-off. Why not? Most exciting team in the AL right now. This is Luis Robert Yard. That's a walk-off three-run dung for him. And, uh, and that's game ugly, ugly, ugly uniforms. And it's so insulting to be next to the Royals who have like one of my favorite uniforms there, but it is a walk off dong and we do appreciate those. So white Sox with a little back to back action. I think when you, when you swing that pretty like Robert, you can wear whatever the fuck you want to wear. <laughs> yeah. In that case. Yes. Next up, we have my man, highly touted prospect. Angel fans been waiting for him. My man, Joe Adele, not one. But two home runs and uh, in the same game. So, yeah, Joe Adele, that was the first one. And here's the second one. Oppo, left field, right field, one each. So, Joe Adele, welcome to the major leagues, baby. Getting off the mat in style with two home runs. There you go. Uh, Let's go. This is my notorious favorite fantasy sleeper guy. Uh, I always argue with a friend of mine that he is so much better than his fantasy stats. He scores a shitload of runs. This is Jesse Winker. We haven't been able to give the Reds much love because they haven't been able to sustain winning streaks. But Jesse Winker sustained a great week. Here he is hitting one home run. This is off Milwaukee. Uh, and who hasn't homered off Milwaukee? Seriously. Winker with a, a glorious beard. I really like those sharp red uniforms too. Here he goes again. Oppo. That's going to go. Is this the same? Oh, I mean, it basically, almost yeah. Same location. Yeah, almost same location. It's almost an identical shot. Yeah. That's a two-run yeah. shot. Two home runs in the game. Uh, and then he's going to go. I think we have one more here, right, Rob? Yeah, two more, actually. <laughs> two more. So here he is. Maybe the next day is off the Cubs. It's going to tie the game. That's a big shot off Hendricks, too. Mm-hmm. Third of the week. Did that ball land in the glove? Yeah, Uh, it it did. (laughs) It did. It landed in the glove. And then there he is. So uh, this is also against the Cubs. One of these was a two-home run game. He had four home runs on the week. Jesse Winker discovering power this year. I think the last I had seen it was him and Luke Voigt, right, leading their league in OPS. Uh, Luke Um, Voigt has taken over. So, yeah, they they, they lead the league. Luke Voigt won. Jesse Winker, too, who had that. Don't sleep on Winker. Yeah, and uh, our last one here. What do you have? Next is is Manny Machado, the underrated signing. The Padres gave him all the money. They gave Hosmer the money before. They knew what they were doing. Manny Machado just absolutely killing baseballs this season. There's the first one. Dead center field, loving it. Still got the cool trot. Look at him. He knew he hit it. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves to hate him. I love meets some Manny. There's a second one. 
that one he had his little flare on. You saw the little the little look, carrying yeah. the bat. La, la, la. Man, to turn so, on that pitch, man. He tattooed that shit, man. And then the third one. And then there's a third one. Three home runs in two games. They played a doubleheader. I love the changing uniforms. Love those camo uniforms. Uh, Manny Machado, doubleheader, three home runs. And uh, real quick, I, I want to mention the Dodgers. Dodgers broke the MLB record for most home runs in the calendar month with 57. Absolutely absurd. Yeah, they, av- they averaged almost two home runs a game. What's crazy about that is that they broke last year, last year's Yankee record. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, dongs galore, and we have one bonus one for you. Only because Nick Albino in the in the chat <laughs> demanded it, and we happen to have it on hand here. This is Gary Sanchez back from the dead about once every two weeks. This is him coming back from the dead. You can roll it, Rob. I have uh, it on sound as well it's because I love the call. Oh, so, yeah. Give us some sound here. I'll just preface it by saying game on the line. Look at the scoreboard. Driven deep. Center field. Going back. McNeil looking up. See ya. Oh, did he need that? A huge pinch hit grand slam for Gary Sanchez. And the Yankees lead 5-1. to one. A very typical Michael K. dramatic call. You say what you want about Michael K. I love his dramatic calls. Uh, I think that, you know, there's definitely some things about him that I could see why it annoys people. I love Michael K. Eventually you'll see how much. But um, that was a good call. I agree with you, Rob. And that was a Gary Sanchez. I didn't realize how far that went live. And now just looking at the replay, I realized it was about 450 feet. Yeah, he's at 458, I think, was the exact. 458, yeah. So that, that was a bomb. That put the Yankees up 5-1. Boone pulled Garcia for no reason. And the Yankees almost blew that game, too. But they did hang on to win. Yeah. So, uh, so those are our dongs of the week. And now we want to get into a segment here. This was actually a grassroots campaign run by one of the members in our group, Mike Harvey. He is a huge souvenir collector. And he basically, you might have seen the group, uh, you might have seen the thread. He had the idea that maybe we should start sharing some memorabilia in baseball life. Um, well, I personally, as you can see, am also have, have a good share of memorabilia that we'll be getting to but i thought it was a good idea and i know a lot of us collect some stuff maybe you don't have a lot maybe you have you know just a few prized possessions but what we want to do is henry and i every monday now to uh finish the show we'll show you one piece from our collection you can see henry has a lot too um we're going to show you one item from our collection every week every monday and and give you a little bit of background as to how we came across it or why we came across it and, um, and then what we're going to do tomorrow and on Tuesdays going forward is we're going to have one thread throughout the day where anyone in baseball life share off one item of your collection. And we'll just do that every week, you know, share off one item, little show and tell, little story behind it so we can all see each other's collections. I think it'd be cool. It was a good Absolutely. idea by Mike. Love it. I hope that thread takes off and, and there's a lot of stuff we have to show. So I, I can't wait for it. Yeah. So uh, just take a picture of something you own throw it up there, give us a little background story, have a nice little conversation for memorabilia, and we will kick it off right now. Um, I will start, and I'll start with uh, a little visual. <clears throat> this is something that I have in my collection. Uh, pretty cool, I used to collect these back in the day. This is Ken Griffey Jr. in a Mariners uniform, uh, robbing a home run to what he used to do a lot. Anyone who's in my, my generation, that was their guy, and I happened 
to also have his autograph. So this is Ken Griffey Jr.'s autograph. Now, the story is pretty cool because I'm not a guy who, like, goes out and pays for stuff like that. Um, my dad actually used to know the GM of the hotel that visiting teams in the 90s used to stay in in New York City uh, when they would play the Yankees. And he became a business client and became sort of like a family friend of sorts. And one one time when the Mariners came to town, you know, he went up to to him and said, look, my I've got a little son. He's a huge baseball fan. He loves Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and this guy didn't ask for his autograph or anything, just happened to mention it. This guy came back with this. That's awesome. <laughs> the next time he saw him and was like, hey, give this to your son. So I've had it That's ever awesome. since. Yeah, prized possession, Ken Griffey Jr.'s autograph. What do you have for us, Henry? I'm going to go with, let me see. I'm going to go with Mr. October. Oh, boy. I'm going to go with Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Um, 563 home run ball. This is his 563 home run ball, the actual ball he hit. So I was going to ask, does he write that on everything, or he only wrote it on that one because that was the actual ball? Yeah, that was the actual ball. I, I, I did pay a pretty penny for that. That's a um, fresh ball for something that was game used. I mean, he smoked it. Yeah. You can see the mark. I think the scuff is on the back somewhere. It, you know, it has a scuff mark. I don't want to... Yeah, I don't want to fuck around with it, but the, yeah, the yeah, Scott no, Park is on the yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, look, I I I don't come from from means. You know, we grew up really poor. I end up loving baseball. My son and I have a big affinity and a big relationship with sports. So a lot of the stuff I'm collecting just for my own personal use, but ultimately it's just for for something for me to pass down to my son. You know, I have a few balls, a few bats. Um, you know, I'm starting to buy some some of the bigger name guys. But more importantly, I'm starting to collect the younger studs now so that, you know, when he gets older and he's in his 40s and his 30s, you know, he'll have those guys that are, you know, the Ken Griffey Juniors for you, you know, the Fernando Tatises for him. Mm-hmm. And those dudes, he'll have them on on, uh, on display. And, you know, when I'm not here, he say, yo, my dad gave me this bat. My dad gave me this ball. My dad yeah. gave me this Montana jersey, whatever, you know, so. We've got the same arrangement in my family. My dad's got all the Yankee legends <laughs> from his time that'll one day be mine. Um and I, you know, I've started my own collection as a, as a result. So Absolutely. definitely a passing down type thing you've got going on there. But definitely, so. guys, whatever you guys have, please, please show us in the group. Um, let us see what you have, man. Come hard, go hard, or go home. I got Yeah, something. absolutely. Well, Rob does have something. That's right. All right. All right. What do you have for us, Rob? Well, um, I went to Tampa um, at, on a trip with my wife, and we ended up we had um, tickets to see the Yankees and the race. And um, while we were going to our seats, there were mentioned, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Worst ballpark, by the way, ever. Anyway, anyway, so we're we're looking for our seats, and then we hear an announcement that a uh, a baseball player is um, signing autographs. And I ended up going in the line. It was a really big line. And this is the only memorabilia, baseball memorabilia I have uh, of, of any player. So it's um, an autographed ball of uh, Daryl Strawberry. I got That's yeah, it was just awesome meeting him. I just mentioned the, the time that I saw his three home run game against the White Sox when he was a Yankee uh, yeah. was there in the old stadium. And uh, he was like, wow, I can't believe you remember that. And I was like, yeah, I was a kid. I remember. And I, and I was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, this is uh one you of the need a ball case, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I need a ball yeah. case. 
I know you I need, need one. I, you probably have one. You probably could just let me one. But yeah, this yeah, is the only I thing. I got a bunch, have. actually. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, this is my only uh, memorabilia that I have. You got to put that on the board. Uh, that's cool. I don't have a straw. I was actually at a, at a strawberry game when you had a grand slam off the Red Sox. I have that <laughs> forever, uh, my memory there. So thanks for sharing. So, yeah. Tomorrow we'll throw the thread up. And just uh, you know, share what you got. One item though, because we want this to stretch out. We're not trying to do it for like real, one day. We're real quick, to do it every I, real quick. I forgot to give a kudos to Frank Robinson, first ML, first black MLB manager. Today is his birthday, and we do have a member, Diego uh, Martinez, who shares a birthday with him. So happy birthday, Diego! Happy birthday, Frank Robinson, first black manager. Nice. Where are we at? All right, so yeah, that's that's gonna just about do it. We have our games games to watch next week. Um, mine was going to be Cole Glass now, and with bases loaded, no outs, and Rays already up three nothing. I'm glad I didn't pick that. So I'm gonna go with Cards Cubs Friday night. I know I you know talked shit about the Cardinals a little bit, but this is their shot. They're going head to head. They have a chance to really get into it against a on again off again Cubs team. And uh, Flaherty's starting that game. So Friday night, Cubs, Cubs, Cardinals, Flaherty on the mound for the Cardinals. We'll see how that goes. That's their that's their shot this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go with the series. I'm going to go with the, the Yankees and the Rays. It might be, you know, stereotypical, but Yankees need this series bad. This is the last time they play Tampa Bay this whole season up until potentially the playoffs. So the Yankees need to get off this night and, and gain a couple games back. Rob, yeah. where you at? Well, um, it was, I didn't really have a game to pick. I'm just just gonna follow a team. Anybody who's facing the San Diego Padres, it, that's <laughs> uh, that's not my game of the week, <laughs> seriously, because they're just they're just so fun to watch right now. I, I look forward to, to the next day to see what they did, and, and I haven't felt that way in like a very long. I mean, I could as far back as probably when the Mariners were like stacked. You know, with uh, Griffey, yeah. Edgar well, Martinez, like that. You're going to well, really be happy because they're playing the Cardinals. I mean, they're playing the Rockies at Colorado. So, uh, so we're going to see some balls fly. Yeah, Dawn's on parade. Yeah, that's yeah. that's going to happen. All right, good. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. I mean, look, now Padres even more revamped. Definitely a reason to watch them. Yeah. Um, so here we go. That, you know, that'll do it. We <laughs> promised an hour and a half. That's exactly what it took. Uh, tune in next week, Monday. We are still going to be on Monday, 7 p.m. next week, Eastern time. Even though it's Labor Day, it is the end of Labor Day. So we fully expect you to be here um, and not at all busy with families or anything else. So feel free to join us next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Don't forget the Audible tomorrow, 7 p.m. Also Eastern time. Um, that's football life. If you're not in football life, you like football. Football is about to start soon. Now would be a great time to join it. Randy Hammond, Matt Bushnell coming at you Tuesdays at 7. And then, of course, uh, Total Bases is our other Baseball Life podcast. Um, they do fantasy baseball. So if you're into fantasy baseball, that's a good show to tune into. They're on Sunday mornings. Um, just look out for them. I think it's like 10 a.m. maybe. Before we sign off, Rob, just reminded me, uh, rest in peace to my man Chadwick Boseman, who yes. did Jackie Robinson, who had one amazing career, played some memorable roles, Black Panther, Thurgood Marshall, James Brown. Uh, huge, huge, huge loss. We're talking about it in the Pop Culture Life group. If you're not a part of that group, click and be a part of it. So Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, brother. This has been Dong City. Have a great night. Dong City, bitches. <laughs>